Isaiah chapter 11, and just kind of give you an introduction this morning to, to Isaiah. Isaiah is a, is a book that is, it, it's very interesting if we, if, when you're reading it, because sometimes you get, uh, if you like poetry, you get poetry. If you like prose, you get prose. If you like narrative, you get narrative. Isaiah has everything in there. Uh, it, it's got a, a and, and I think that's why sometimes Isaiah, when people read Isaiah, they think, well, this is very confusing, and what is he talking about? Uh, that, that's, uh, that's oftentimes what I get when I talk to people about Isaiah, is what is he talking about? He's very confusing. Why doesn't he make sense? Um, and so know that, that uh, when, when he's writing out um, the, the prophecy here, when he's writing out the prophecy that um, it, it's a, it, he's writing it in, a, in his own uh, Scripture is, is God-inspired. We believe that it's God-inspired, and so uh, 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 we're told in uh, Paul, he says that all Scripture is God-breathed. Now, we don't necessarily think that God micromanaged the method that they wrote it down in. And so that means that if you look throughout Scripture, that uh, personality-wise, sometimes the writing style of Scripture, the, the writer's personality style comes out in that. So if you think about Isaiah, he, he's a little eclectic. If you, if you kind of study him a little bit, he's a little eclectic, and that, that kind of helps us understand why he's, uh, he writes the way that he writes. And another thing that we have to understand is that Isaiah is writing to people in exile or people about to go into exile and then they're in exile and then he's telling them about exile. Um, and he's, he's talking to a people that are desperate to be saved. They, they, uh, their world has changed. It's turned upside down. They're desperate to de be delivered. They're desperate. Uh, they're people that, that, that are, are going into a life that is not what they're used to. Uh, they're going into a, a situation that many of them believe uh, is hopeless, that uh, they, they do not think that they will ever return to Jerusalem. And for many of them, they do not. Uh, many many of them will die in Babylon. Many of them will die in exile in Assyria. Many of them will be scattered among the empire, and they will die outside of their native land. And and so there's kind of this this fear that 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 is happening and uncertainty that's happening in the people that Isaiah is writing to here and warning and 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 uh, trying to uh, bring back to the Lord and let them know why this has happened and and. Um, uh, th this is a, a people that have uh, not only been corrupt, but they've dealt with corruption as well. Uh, remember, part of the reason that they got into exile is because uh, they they had corrupted the temple. They had corrupted their government. They had corrupted their lifestyles. They had corrupted, uh, get this, they had corrupted their thought processes too. Their worldviews had been corrupted. Everything had, they, they were living in corruption altogether. And so, uh, and, and hopelessness is probably what many of them were feeling. Uh, this morning, if you would just leave your, your Bible open, I'm going to take it uh, section by section this morning. I think that's probably the best way to do Isaiah 11. 
Uh, and, and we hear this kind of almost every time uh, Christmas season comes around. And, and so I want to kind of talk about it this morning. Isaiah 11, 1, uh, A shoot will come from the stump of Jesse. From the roots, a branch will bear fruit. Now, I, I don't know, uh, if you park in the back parking lot over the last couple of months, you probably know that we've had a big stump there for a while. It's not there now. If you haven't seen it the last couple of weeks, it's been taken care of. But we had a big stump in the back parking lot for a while. Um, did you know that you can talk the electric company into cutting down the tree, but you cannot talk them into carrying the tree off if they don't want to? So, so we've had that big stump there. And I don't know if you were like me or not, but... Did any of you get really close to it with your car and almost hit it? No. <laughs> Some of you are better drivers. Uh, but but uh, I, I would come through the back parking lot, drop the kids off at school in the morning, come through the back parking lot to swing around, and there would be that stump. Now, the stump had no life whatsoever. The, 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 the tree had been cut down, so the stump is dead. The, the stump uh, may have roots, but the stump has no value. The stump has no, uh, has no flowering uh, plant to it. It has no leaves. It has no fruit. It has nothing. It's useless. It's just there. It's dead. And so, uh, uh, and it's basically, if we could, if we could, really think about it, a stump is the leftovers of, of what had been. And, and so, um, what, what do we do when we have a stump? We grind it out. We get rid of it. Kill the roots all the way down. But get this, get this. A shoot will come from the stump of Jesse. Uh, meaning that, that Jesse here, uh, if we look at Jesse, Jesse is the, the, the dad of, of David, uh, the, the King David. And remember, uh, Jesse, I, if, every time I think of Jesse, I almost in a way envision him being someone who, uh, um, I don't know if he was depressed at times, but I could almost envision him being someone who, um, didn't think that his family was going to go anywhere. Uh, and, and so we, here we have Jesse and, and, um, and the, the, uh, scripture says that something will come out of this, this dead end, this nothingness, what, what we didn't think anything would happen with, insignificance. Who was, who was King David? He was just an insignificant shepherd boy. Why? Why would the Lord choose him? How, how, is, how is something going to come out of this shepherd? The, this nothingness here. The, the, if we could use words today, we could almost say that he was a loser in the time. That's kind of what people would think. He was a shepherd boy. He was the lowest of the low. And, and, and he... Uh, is anything going to come on that? And by comparison here, we see that a shoot will come out of the stump of Jesse. So a, a shoot brings about new life. It's new. It's the it's the uh, um, it, it's like the little 
peace that comes out that, that means that, that something is going to be produced there that wasn't there before. I don't know if you've ever seen a tree where they've cut the limb off and then uh, later on you see that maybe a seed has landed off in a piece and, and, and that seed has been kind of like grafted into it and then it starts to grow into to a new limb, but it's just a little little bitty piece. And so the, the shoot, uh, it means that there, it brings about new life, that it has uh, hope for something fresh, that it has potential to yield in abundance that that what was that what was dead and useless uh, now is going to be hopeful and helpful and uh, productive and and if we really if we really look at it the the passage is really saying that that from nothingness there will come hope from 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 the lowliest lows there will come hope. There will come uh, um, salvation here. That uh, Matthew one. If we look at Matthew one, um, if if you're if you're honest, you've probably read the Christmas account and you've skipped over Matthew one. It's the genealogy there. Abraham had this kid, and this kid had this kid, and this kid had this kid. And, and you know, it's, it's extensive in Matthew and then in Luke. Do you know from Matthew, the genealogy in Matthew comes from the line of uh, Joseph. And then in Luke, it comes from the line of Mary. And on both sides of the genealogy, it will, it, it will, it can be traced back. Um, and so if, if we, and there, there's a, there's a, a legal method of that we trace it back through Joseph because he was the head of the household he would be the one that 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 Jesus would have um that Joseph would have had legal responsibility so to say for for Jesus and and so uh Matthew 1 tells us that Jesus comes from the lineage of Jesse Luke tells us Jesus comes from the lineage of Jesse Jesus is the shoot and the stump. What does that mean? <laughs> you could think, well, Pastor, he sure does get excited about them plants and them dead things. <laughs> we don't grow plants in our basement anymore. You don't have to worry about that. That's... Um, it means that Jesus can make dead, rotten, decaying things new again. It means that Jesus can bring back to life the deadest of the dead. It means that Jesus, He can restore generations. He can restore generations. If you read through the genealogy, there's, there's 14 generations from Abraham to Moses. 14 generations from Moses to David. 14 generations. There's 14 generations split up in between there in sections. What happens there? 
Do you know there's some unsavory people in the genealogy of Jesus? Pretty, pretty big unsavory people in the genealogy of Jesus. There's, there's some women in the genealogy of Jesus that we would look at and we would say, they're the disgusting filth of society. But they're in the genealogy of Jesus. What Jesus restores generations. Uh, Jesus, He can give hope to hopeless situations. The stump is dead. The uselessness of Jesse and his family. The hopelessness that they were going to have. Now they have hope. Not only do they have hope, it's their very own lineage that's going to save them. Think about, think about, uh, think about being from that line, and you know you're from that line, and and it, it could be your your great great whatever, and you hear Isaiah proclaiming a shoot from the stump of Jesse will be the Messiah. What great joy that would be. And then, and then we, we see that Jesus, He can use the lowliest of the low to accomplish His plans and purposes. Amen? I'm thankful that Jesus does not use this based on our learned abilities. Um, but He uses us based on His equipping and our obedience. Isaiah 11, 2-5, The Spirit of the Lord will rest on Him, the Spirit of wisdom and understanding, the Spirit of counsel and of might, the Spirit of, understand, of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. And He will delight in the fear of the Lord. Uh, he will not judge uh, by what He sees with His eyes or decide what He hears with His ears. But with righteousness He will judge the needy uh, with justice, he will give decisions for the poor of the earth. He will strike the earth with his, the, the rod of his mouth. With the breath of his lips, he will slay the wicked. With the uh, righteousness uh, will be his belt. And faithfulness, the sash around his waist. So, two images here that we have to look at. Two images uh, the first image is this. Think about creation. It talks about uh, the he'll he'll uh, hit the earth with the rod of his mouth. He'll speak uh, his breath uh, the the wickedness. And so uh, think think about uh, in creation when uh, creation is breathed out. It is spoken into, uh, and creation is made through the breath. It's through the breath of God. Okay, so there's the image there. And then we have another image here in Matthew 3.13. And, and the 3.13 uh, through 17, it says this. It says, Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. But John tried to de uh, deter him, saying, I need to be baptized by you. Why do you come to me? And Jesus replied, Let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this, to fulfill all righteousness. Then John consented. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. And at that moment, heaven was opened and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. 
And a voice from heaven said, uh, said, This is my Son, whom I love, with whom I am well pleased. We, we, see, we see this uh, this image in Matthew as well, and it comes, the, the images of Jesus. That's who Isaiah is talking about here, uh, the image of Jesus. And so uh, we can, we can uh, be confident that Jesus has divine wisdom and understanding. And that is, he knows how to accomplish his purposes and his plans. Uh, and, 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 you know, I think I found this out the hard way in life at times. But, you know, he doesn't really need our opinion or input to accomplish his plans and his purposes. He needs our obedience. And, and sometimes, if we're, if we're honest, we can... We can say that sometimes we try to tell the Lord how to do it. Lord, I don't know how you're going to save all of humanity, but this is what I think you ought to do. He knows how to fulfill his purposes and his plans. He knows how, uh, not only does he know how to fulfill his purposes and plans, he knows how we feel and he understands what we're going through. And I think, I think that this is important for us to understand because I think that, uh, I think it's important for us to understand in that, uh, when you pray to Jesus, you can be confident that he's compassionate. That he's understanding. That he knows exactly what you are going through because he's experienced it himself. There's understanding. There's divine wisdom. Jesus is a counselor and full of might. Uh, now, now, counsel here, it means that Jesus can help you make a decision. Now, oftentimes we think, when we, when we think of counselor, we think of uh, like a therapist, and therapists can help you make decisions at times, but the the kind of the kind of the term uh, is more of like a legal perspective. Now you know I like legal perspectives on some things, and so when when it comes to this legal term of counsel, it, it's like Jesus is. Uh, it's saying that Jesus is your your. Uh, he's providing you legal counsel. He's giving you advice from a legal perspective. And, and it basically means this. It means that, that Jesus is uh, interceding on your behalf before the Father in heaven. That He is pleading on your behalf. He is interceding. That, that He is, he is uh, not only is He interceding um, on your behalf, but He's doing so with the best intentions in mind. Um, <clears throat> and so it's important for us that when we say that Jesus is counselor and full of might, that we understand that it is with his best intentions that he intercedes for us. Um, another thing that comes from this little section is that Jesus gives judgment that is just. Uh, judgment it, it comes from his lips. When he proclaims it, when he speaks it into existence, when, when uh, in, in a court of law we have a gavel, and, and when uh, the gavel is hit, it's declared. That's the way it is. You don't argue with the judge after the gavel has been hit. So when Jesus speaks it into existence, when he declares judgment to happen, that's it. 
That's the final word. That's, that it's final and it's absolute. There is no change in that. And, and here's, here's what we find when we talk about the judgment of Jesus is that, that we, we're in the season of Advent and we're, 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 we're uh, looking at the, the coming of the Messiah who has come, but we're also looking for the Messiah to come again. And when He comes again, there will be a time of judgment to take place. And when judgment happens, uh, there, there are uh, two options. I either knew you or I didn't know you. That, that's, that's what he says. And when he, when he gives about judgment, uh, it's final and it's absolute. There is no going back at that point. When judgment happens, it's done. And, and so, um, this is a kind of a, a counter difference to their culture at the time, because remember that there is corruption happening in, uh, their government. There's corruption happening among the people. And so, not only could uh, um, corruption happen in the, in the court where where the judge could go back on its on his word, or uh, the corruption happen with the leader, where the leader could could go back on their word and and, and uh, declare one thing and then change their mind and do something else. Uh, it, it's saying that when Jesus brings about judgment, that's it. He's not changing his mind on it. And, and I think that it's important for us to know, uh, not only for our own, uh, uh, spiritual life and our own relationship with Jesus, that, that one day there will be a time where every knee bows and every tongue confesses that Jesus is Lord, and that's the moment no decision can be made after that. Because judgment will happen. There's a time when, when the opportunity for people to respond will close. And so for us in our own spiritual lives, we have to, we have to evaluate. It's, it's a, almost a, a, a thing. You know, uh, we have to say, Lord, am I in um, my relationship with you? Is it pure? Is it genuine? Is there anything that I need to repent of because I don't want sin in my life? Uh, and, and sometimes He reveals things to us like, Hey, you need to work on that. You need to get rid of that. You need to deal with that. You need to get get get, get done with it and and uh, move on. Uh, and and uh, sometimes he he uh, for Christians, we need to make sure that at Judgment Day. We can say that we've abstained from sin and we've followed Him 100%. His judgment is complete and it's absolute. Now on the other side of that, in the realm of evangelism, there's people that need to know about Jesus. There's people that are going to die and go to hell unless they know of His saving grace. His judgment is final and absolute. Jesus has no corruptible intentions and He has no corruptible judgment. Righteousness is who He is and faithfulness is who He is about. Jesus is always faithful to those who follow Him. 
Isaiah 11, 6 through 9, the wolf shall lie down with the lamb and the, the leopard shall lie down with the goat and the calf and the lion and the yearling together and little child will lead them and the cow will feed the bear with the bear and uh, their young will lie down together and the lion will eat straw like the ox and the <clears throat> infant will play near the cobra's den. The young child will put its hand in the viper's nest. They will neither harm nor destroy on all my mountain, holy mountain, for the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. So what does this mean? This means that Jesus will bring about peace. He will bring about restored creation. He'll bring about peace in the chaos. He'll bring about peace in the storm of life. He'll bring about peace in death. And he'll bring about peace when everything looks upside down. It's about peace. Sometimes I I listen to Dave Ramsey, and he closes out every show with You can't have peace without the Prince of Peace. This morning, do you have peace? Do you know the one whose judgment is final? Who's absolute? Do you trust in Him with obedience? Do you follow Him? Do you recognize that it's Jesus who takes the things that are dead and the things that we would say are worthless and turns them into something that can be masterpieces for him.